Welcome to Godsplaining, contemplative preachers, contemporary age. Each week, join the Dominican friars as they consider all things Catholic. Welcome to Godsplaining. This is Father Jacob Bertrand Jancic, and today I am joined by two friars, as we usually do for our Sunday Lectio, Father Joseph Anthony Cress and Father Patrick Briscoe. How are y'all doing? How are things? Well, thanks for having me on the program. Um, it's a, a delight to be here with you today. <laughs> My goodness. Long-time listener, first-time oh, caller here. Energy. Happy to be with you. Great. It's so great to have everybody <laughs> together again. Uh, See, the reason... Uh, yeah, is, this is a blessing. They make it... To the people that just listen really to the podcast, the reason you need to switch to our YouTube channel is so that you can see Father Jacob Bertrand's face when I say things like that to him. Everybody says that whenever I'm on an episode, you, Father Gregory, Father Joseph Anthony, Father Bonaventure doesn't comment on my facial expressions so much, but um, I don't think he's we'll aware that a... there's video. <laughs> I, I just, I don't think Father Bonaventure knows we have a YouTube channel. I think we probably told him that, but he just doesn't, he thinks it's still radio, so it's yeah, fine. Or that it's a lie. Yeah. 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 Well, bless him. Um, that, uh, that actually might all be true, I think. So... What can you do? You can only do so much, I guess. Um, I guess, Father, well, for both of you, you're both on campuses, uh, kind of nearing the end of the semester, right? Are things done yet at this point? Are finals coming up? What's what's all that? Uh, down here in Charlottesville at UVA, um, the last week of class is the first week of May. So it's, um, you know, May 5th, I think, is the last day of classes. And then they move into finals. Uh, final exercises and uh, graduation will be May twenty first, twenty second, twenty third, somewhere in that time frame. And this year we have the special joy of having two graduations. So the graduation for the class of twenty twenty will happen on May fifteenth, sixteenth, somewhere around there, because we got to make up for it because they didn't get their graduation. So it's kind of busy around this time of year. Wow. We had a great weekend last weekend here at Providence College. Uh, we baptized three students and confirmed another 11. Wow. So 14 wow. received their, completed their sacraments of initiation. And it, it was really a beautiful thing. Um, we were able to have some limited family members present um, in the campus chapel. And you see just a, the grace of the sacraments binding things together, you know, the joy of parents as they watch their children um, you know, choose the faith for themselves and, and make, a, make an adult commitment to Christ. Um, it, it, it was very impactful. Um, Bishop Evans was the celebrant of the liturgy, um, so it was very, uh, it, it was a joy to have him present. Um, and Lenz, certainly the preaching of a Bishop Lenz, um, some solemnity to the occasion. Um, it was just, a, it was a marvelous Mass. I was so happy, um, so delighted. That's awesome. Very cool. Nice. Um... On my end, what's new? Nothing really. I got to pre preach a retreat for the first time um, at the U University of South Carolina the other weekend, which was nice. Uh, not for the first time, but I, what I meant to <laughs> Your say very for the first, first retreat. Time. My first I'm retreat. I'm a real boy. Uh, no, I for really the first did time, it, man. Yeah, exactly. I said right? a, I said a uh, full retreat, whole weekends. <laughs> okay. Uh, for the first time in a while. Uh, so that was great just to, well, to be there, but also to be, you know, not be constrained by COVID. Um, so intensely as we have been for the last 700 years. Uh, so that was good. For um, ever. For yeah, it's like the Babylonian ever. exile or something. <laughs> uh, 
All right. Well, enough about me and my first retreat experience. Um, We're so proud today of you. Is sun <laughs> Thank you. I knew I would be so affirmed by all of you. Uh, Today is, well, we're talking about the readings for the fifth Sunday of Easter. So let's turn our attention to the readings. Uh, so per usual, we'll walk through the readings, offer some of our commentary and insight, hopefully um, giving you all a bit, uh, a little, uh, or a different way to look at the readings or to prepare for Sunday Mass. So we'll start with this week's collect, and then um, Father Joseph Anthony will read for us the first reading. So here's the collect for the fifth Sunday of Easter. Almighty, ever-living God. Constantly accomplish the paschal mystery within us, that those you were pleased to make new in holy baptism may, under your protective care, bear much fruit and come to the joys of life eternal. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the Acts of the Apostles. When Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. Then Barnabas took charge of him and brought him to the apostles, and he reported to them how he had seen the Lord, and that he had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. He moved about freely with them in Jerusalem, and spoke out boldly in the name of the Lord. He also spoke and debated with the Hellenists, but they tried to kill him. And when the brothers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him on his way to Tarsus. The church throughout all of Judea, Galilee, and Samaria was at peace. It was being built up and walked in the fear of the Lord, and with the consolation of the Holy Spirit, it grew in numbers. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something that stands out in this reading, um, as we know, the Acts of the, 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 Acts of the Apostles recounts um, the, the earliest days and perhaps months, years, whatever, of the church just after the resurrection. Um, so what stands out in this reading is, to me, is the description of, um, of, Paul's, uh, of Paul's preaching and of his actions. Because what Paul is doing um, is what, the, what all of us as Christians are doing. So when we look at the early church and when we look at the early preaching of Peter and Paul and the other apostles, it reflects not something that, um, or reveals even, not something that... Uh, simply belongs in the past or something that a group of men or the earliest disciples did, but something that informs us um, in how we live our faith now. This is what we talk about when we talk about um, the tradition of the church, capital T, the, the tradition that is part of the deposit of Revelation. Uh, so when we're looking at what Paul is doing here, two, two adjectives, um, I guess adverbs, uh, really, um, are, are used to describe Paul's preaching activity. One, that he moved about freely. And second, that he preached boldly. Uh, so freedom and boldness, uh, I think, are two two um, two qualities, two characteristics of our of um, of the resurrection, of the way in which the resurrection um, conforms us to Christ and forms and molds us in the Christian life. So perhaps a word about both. Um, the freedom of the Christian is not freedom from. Uh, from the things of this world. It's not freedom from um, being a human being. We don't become some sort of 
third thing or new new creation that is not human but we become truly human it by by the transformation that grace offers us it doesn't uh the freedom of a christian doesn't ignore the sufferings of our life or the trials or the temptations or the hardships the freedom of a christian is 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 that we are no longer bound or enslaved by sin but free to pursue god totally free to move after God with abandon, without being constrained by the things of our lives. Um, and, and we see that St. Paul moved freely. Now, this is describing his movement in the city of Jerusalem, but I think it describes him as one converted, as one being transformed by grace, his freedom to move, to pursue Christ, to preach Christ. The second thing here is that boldness. Uh, we often are, I think when we think about the sacraments, we can identify characteristics or ends or outcomes or the graces of the sacraments pretty readily for most of them. But when we think about confirmation, we're, we're often at a lack. What does confirmation do? What are the graces of confirmation? Is it just like a, a rebaptism of some sort? What's going on? The, the graces of confirmation um, are the graces to witness to and proclaim the gospel. To be a bold Christian who's ready to live the Christian, the Christian faith and the Christian life um, without reserve, but also in great prudence and with great courage. So sometimes that requires us to speak and stand up for the truth. Sometimes that requires us simply to live the Christian life so as to radiate the truth and fulfillment and happiness that comes from being a disciple. Um, all of that, the freedom, the boldness, um, are, I think, characteristics, witnesses um, to the resurrected Christ that we ourselves imbibe as disciples. St. Paul here is our, is our example. I knew Father Jacob Bertrand was going to talk about boldness. I knew it. As soon as I saw that word in this reading, I was like, yep, there it goes. Uh, my, 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 my line will be also probably typically predictable. Um, and the, the thing that catches my eye about this excerpt from Acts of the Apostles is that the difficulty of the early Christian community of accepting Paul when he arrives in their midst after having converted, right? So, so the, the part that's absent here. Um, you know, that maybe we don't recognize that we can piece together from Paul's accounts in other places is that Paul hasn't been around for three years. He's been off preaching and it takes him three years to get to Jerusalem. So that fact alone um, would easily make the community suspicious. Like, hey, dude, where have you been? We heard we, we heard that you we heard that you had been converted and you, you haven't been present. What's going on? Explain yourself. You know, th there would be concern on that front alone. And that, that makes sense to us on a natural level. But then the other, uh, the other difficulty, which is even more significant, right, is the, is the real difficulty of moving beyond what Saul, Paul had done persecuting the Christian communities. That this man, who had a reputation as a ferocious opponent uh, to the followers of the way, a ferocious persecutor of the apostles, that, that, his, that his conversion was in fact genuine, um, no doubt required some uh, some testing, um, some you know, frankly, just 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 processing by the early Christian community. They had an, an instinctive fear, you know. No wonder they shrank from him and and didn't and weren't sure about what his presence meant. Um, so so what we have here and what we can think about as disciples um, is: Are we willing to acknowledge the full power of divine grace? in the kinds of conversion that can take place. Because uh, in, in our day, um, we're, we're, we're talking about the conversions of men who are such as St. Paul or even worse. 
you know, do we really believe that Almighty God and His Holy Grace can change the hearts of men and women? Do we really believe it? Do we live our lives like we believe that? And I, th I think this is a, poor, a, a powerful moment um, for some self-examination and, and thought. I just want to piggyback on what Father Patrick mentioned there. Uh, <laughs> no, this... Um, this kind of dynamic that we see that Paul is coming back uh, into the fold, really, after that absence of three years. I mean, you have to think that here's a, the major persecutor of the faith, and then in a moment kind of just evaporates, you know, and then and then just in another instant shows up again. And it's the actions, it's the interactions of actually um, Barnabas that that's what stands out to me or as one of our uh, classmates said barnabas uh his um ability to look at paul and and see the work of god and be able to vouch for him and i love that line it says that he barnabas took charge of him and then brought him to the apostles and just as patrick was or father patrick was saying that our ability to see the work of God, trust in this major work of conversion in men that are uh, on the same level of Saul, or maybe even worse, to trust in that good work. But what's our interaction with this? We are not just spectators sitting on the sidelines watching, right? We're not watching conversions happen in uh, behind the zoo glass or anything. But like Barnabas, we can um, interact with them and take them to each other and let them uh, have that opportunity to witness to the great mercy uh, of God working in their life, to hear their stories of the conversion, and also give them that opportunity to inspire others to trust in, in the love of God, to trust in his mercy. And um, that's what Barnabas did, is he saw the work of God and then was able to put them in contact with the apostles and with those who needed to hear with the Christian community. And for the fact that we are still in the Easter season, and Father Patrick just talked about how many confirmations and baptisms they had, this is our role with the the neophytes, those newly welcomed into the church, those newly baptized. We should stand in that role of Barnabas in helping those um, newly converted to the body of Christ to integrate and to um, to be able to witness to the the mercy of God through their conversions and to help them then to live boldly, live freely in this way. All right, our second reading is from the first letter of St. John. Children, let us love not in word or speech, but in deed and truth. Now this is how we shall know that we belong to the truth and reassure our hearts before him in whatever our hearts condemn. For God is greater than our hearts and knows everything. Beloved, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence in God and receive from him whatever we ask, because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. And his commandment is this, we should believe in the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as he commanded us. Those who keep his commandments remain in him, and he in them, and the way we know that he remains in us is from the Spirit he gave us. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's a 17th century midrash, which is to say Hebrew commentary on scripture, uh, that declares that if love consists in words only, then love ceases as soon as the word is pronounced. 
If love consists in words only, then love ceases as soon as the word is pronounced. And this is the truth proclaimed by St. John in this reading today. Children, let us love not in word or speech, but in deed and truth. Because uh, love has to be more severe. Love has to be more lasting. Love has to be richer than simply such something spoken. And so as this Midrash continues, it says that uh, the love that cannot be dissolved, the kind of love that we're looking for is the love of the, of the holy men of scripture of Abraham, of Isaac, of Jacob, and the rest of the patriarchs before them. And this is proper for um, for this Jewish commentary to say so. And for these men to be an example in our lives is important. Um, but we as Christians um, who are thinking in the Easter season of the kind of richness of the Christian community, the kind of depths of love, um, it, it's something more expansive still. And this is the beauty of meditating um, as we have been on the Acts of the Apostles, the stories of early Christian life where we see that love is so much richer than just the preaching of the gospel. But, but love involves um, the, the, the richest kinds of acts of love, like re receiving a repentant man like Paul, or, um, or, or of all of the care of the poor and the sick that are just part of the proclamation of Christ uh, present in the early Christian community. As we um, see at the very end of this reading, um, the author says that those who keep his commandments remain in him, and that ability to remain is connected with the keeping of his commandments. Um, that's something that continually comes up and is very necessary, um, especially during this Easter season, right? And especially for those of us who actually live after the resurrection and precisely after the ascension, that we, we don't have that kind of visible uh, connection. And it's, it's, uh, we need the eyes of faith to see the, the true presence in the Eucharist, and we need the eyes of faith to be able to see that. And so in this letter, we have that encouragement that even though maybe all of the, the physical and the tangible signs point to the fact that there's a separation or that there's a distance, that the union, the ability to remain with the Lord actually is through the keeping of his commandments, uh, that we should believe in the name of his son and love one another just as he commanded us with that sacrificial love that not only did he command, but he, be, he showed us uh, the example of what that looks like through the suffering, the passion, death, and resurrection, the Paschal Mysteries. Um, and so as we continue, it's this kind of um, encouragement that we are not at a distance and we are not separated even though uh, we can hear the whispers of the evil one speaking those lies into us, like, oh, you're, you know, you're not really connected, you're alone, you're isolated, but that it's through the keeping of his commandments, the belief in, the, in his son Jesus, and um, loving another as ourselves, that that's how we remain un united to the Lord, that's how we remain in his presence and one with him. One of the great privileges of being a Catholic is that we have um, these these witnesses, um, if we want to call it that, to, to Christ's presence in our life. As Father Joseph Anthony was talking about so much, you know, we, we don't have the privilege of walking with Christ here on earth in his, in his earthly existence, you know, that, that ended some 2,000 years ago. But what we do have are, are the sacramental 
and the presence and the and the presence of his church um, through which the Holy Spirit works. And the, the last couple words of of the, this reading from the first letter of St. John um, speak about the spirit that that he gave us, that Christ gave us. Um, often, I think we can think in our lives of of times, perhaps now, perhaps before, if not, maybe in the future, of where where we sort of question, like, where is God in this? Where Where is God in my life? I don't see him at work. Um, but so often his presence is is before us in, in even just in the existence of the church, even just in the existence of the sacraments. And so much of our life and our relationship with our Lord um, ought to be bound up in these realities. Um, first, that we, in virtue of our baptism, are made members of this mystical body of Christ that is his church, but we also have, um, we could say, the right or the privilege of receiving the graces of, of, uh, of the sacraments, um, the mercy of Christ in the sacrament of, of, the, of penance, and Christ himself in the sacrament of the Eucharist. Um, these are the ways by which we remain with Christ, the sure, the sure offerings of Christ's grace and Christ's life through the dispensation of the sacramental life that we live as Catholics. I think sometimes it's easy to forget or approach the, sac the sacraments as just things we do as Catholics rather than each of them as a privileged moment to encounter Christ himself. Um, mediated by the priest, but Christ himself. Uh, so we should take great confidence that, uh, that this, is, this is what Christ intended uh, as the means by which to be close to him, to be near to him. Okay, Father Patrick, would you read for us the gospel? A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine grower. He takes away every branch in me that does not bear fruit, and every one that does he prunes so that it bears more fruit. You are already pruned because of the word that I spoke to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever remains in me and I in him will bear much fruit, because without me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into a fire, and they will be burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, Ask for whatever you want, and it will be done for you. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The 15th chapter of John's Gospel may be one of my favorites uh it, it's it's up there for sure but um i have the the great joy of living in central virginia in the blue ridge mountains and here in the charlottesville area in central virginia we have a tremendous amount of vineyards and it is so beautiful especially this time of year as you know the seasons turn and everything becomes in bloom to go out and spend an evening at a vineyard uh tasting some good wines and spending it with your friends around a fire pit it's it's wonderful and um just a few weeks ago or actually last week i was talking to one of our parishioners who uh owns one of the vineyards 
and she asked me, she said, hey, Father, do me a, a big favor. Can you say a few prayers tonight that uh, the frost doesn't hit? Because if it hits and we lose a lot of our vines, we could be we could be in, in serious trouble. And we had a cold spell coming through. I remember my parents in Ohio sent me pictures of snow that morning, and it was getting ready to come through Virginia that evening. And the these owners of the vineyard were really worried because uh, if the frost hits this late in the season, it could destroy the crop. It could destroy everything, and they could be in serious trouble. Um, Praise be Jesus, the frost didn't hit as hard as it was expected. They were able to dodge uh, dodge a little bullets there. But as we see in this gospel, Jesus takes up this um, this image of the vineyard again. Uh, it's one of his favorites. He talks about being a shepherd and sheep a lot. He talks about uh, you know being a vineyard and or a vine grower and, and that he uses that image of the vineyard and uh, quite often. Um, but it was that discussion with the parishioner and listening to our Lord speak in this gospel that I see the the image of the vine grower, the owner, in the father. And I think a lot of times we um, we think that he's still at a distance from us. And looking at the the second reading in this gospel, we see actually how proximate the father is. And just as uh, our parishioners had to go out into the vineyard the very next morning and check the health of each vine, check the health of each branch to see if it was able to, if it survived or not, so too does the Father come and meet us after um, after an adversity, after a struggle, after maybe checking to see if there's damage uh, in our life. And the a true vine grower, a good vine grower, a good vineyard. Uh, is one where the vine grower is in the field constantly with the vines, checking their health and seeing are they growing? Do they need to be pruned? Do they need more nutrients? And it's not just one that stays up in the uh, the tasting room and stays up in the house and looks around over top of the mountains, but it's one that's actually out in the vineyard with them. So as we see this image and, and kind of seeing that Christ identifies that he's the vine, but his father's the vine grower, and he's a good vine grower, to know that he's always checking and he's always coming close to see, um, to see the health of our, our lives, our spiritual lives, and to attend to us to make sure that we, um, we stay attached to the true vine. We as the branches stay attached to the true vine and begin to bear fruit in his name. The, this um, idea of remaining, this concept of remaining, uh, obviously we just read the second reading from the first letter of St. John, it's introduced there, and, but uh, from the 15th chapter of the gospel that we heard, you know, this is the real sort of meat and potatoes of this notion of remaining that our Lord um, commands or exhorts or speaks about to his disciples at the Last Supper before he's about to leave them. Uh, before he's about to be crucified. And uh, I think for a religious, the uh, the notion of remaining is at the central, is, is, is central to our identity as consecrated religious. We enter religious life, in a sense, to remain with Christ, to have all else, everything else in our lives removed so as to like sit with him. The Code of Canon Law says that the first duty of any religious is to contemplate God to remain with him, to sit with him, to be with him. But this isn't just a thing for consecrated 
religious. It's not just a thing for priests or mystics. It's uh, it's a reality for all Christians to remain with Christ because the the truth of conversion, the truth of growing in our relationship with Christ is it's not that we do better or that we are the ones pruning the vines or that we're the vine dresser. No, that's as Father Joseph Anthony was speaking about. That's that's the Father. The Father does these things. And the the reality and the fundamental sort of core of what it means to be Christian is to allow God to work on us to be with our Lord, to remain with him so that we can, so that our souls, our hearts, who we are can absorb his grace and be transformed and conform to him. Um, it's, it's not a matter of trying harder, of doing better, of if perfecting my spiritual life, of doing X, Y, and Z things, but allowing God the room and the space to work in our lives. He's never going to force us. He's never going to make us, um, but he does want us and he wants us desperately just to be with him, to be his friend, to remain with him, to allow him to prune us as we need to be so that we can um, grow under the guidance and direction of, of his grace, um, be fulfilled, be happy, be healed, be made complete. I think we should bring back the word husbandmen. My father is the husbandman. We should make husbandry something we speak of again, the art of cultivation i think that husbandry just has potential of becoming commonplace you know it's a lot more hipster than vine grower mm -hmm. husbandry just said that that well, to me if you say so it's a lot it's a lot more exciting you think like Ooh, what is that husbandry the my father the husbandman um but i'm not really going to talk about husbandry i want to point out simply that jesus prunes us so as to bear more fruit. And uh, the temptation in Christian life, the perennial temptation in Christian life, um, is for minimalism. To think, well, if I do this, I'm, I'm keeping the commandments and I've, and I've done this much and that's really all that Christ is asking of me. But Christ does not ask us for the minimum, for the bare bones, um, for the moderate yield, as a husbandman would demand of his vines at least a minimum crop um, but ra but rather the father the father desires for us abundance he desires not that we would bear fruit but that we would bear more fruit that we would bear great fruit not just in the life to come but here and now the father desires uh, desires for us abundance um, so that's my that's my prayer that all of uh, the listeners who hear this reading proclaimed on Sunday would 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 recognize in their lives God's invitation in the here and now to abundant life and to bear great fruit. Perhaps then for this coming Sunday and for the week ahead, I think it's always good to keep the readings um, in mind, either in anticipation of the Sunday or following the Sunday and to reflect and pray on those and be with our Lord in them. This This notion of abundance is something that we could meditate on and keep before us because the Lord is calling us to greatness, as Father Patrick was saying, and as Father Joseph Anthony was saying, the Lord wants us and wants us to be to be great saints. Uh, this isn't a sort of Christian nicety, but the reality of who God is, the reality of what he wants. And if you us. can't do that, just so have some wine. That's right. <laughs> have that bougie experience of the fire pit and the wine that Father Joseph Anthony likes. likes the blue do. mountains but, you know, down there, yeah. Y'all are yeah. always welcome down yeah. here, mm -hmm. just saying. That's everybody. Yeah. Everybody, any, any listener, listener is come always down to Thanks, y'all. With Father yeah, Joseph it's, Anthony. That's where it's That's good. right. 
There you have it. All right. Well, thanks so much for tuning in to this Sunday Lexio of God's planning for the fifth Sunday of Easter. As we mentioned, I think way at the beginning of Lent, and um, we'll we'll carry on with these Sunday Lexios through Pentecost. So I think that would be three more weeks. We have six week of Easter, Ascension, and Pentecost. So um, hopefully they've been helpful or opportunities for you to dive into the scriptures a little bit more. Um, and not so much of a distraction. So that's our hope too for you. Uh, we a few a few announcements for you as we do at the end of Mass and we do at the end of our episodes. Um, uh, on Pentecost, we'll drop some new Pentecost merch. Uh, as we did at Easter, we dropped that new sweatshirt. Um, so kind of uh, same kind of themes going on, but one appropriate for Pentecost. So check that out in a few weeks. Uh, we've been announcing this retreat as it is in heaven that we have coming up in, uh, well, I guess towards the end of July, July 23rd through 25th um, in Huntington, New York. Spaces are super limited at this point, but we're hoping that if we get enough people who are applying and would like to come that we um, that we can open up some more rooms at the retreat center. So if you're interested, please still apply to the retreat. Uh, we're really, really looking forward to having that. Thanks to all of our patrons who support us through your donations um, on Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the podcast, you can go to our Patreon website. And um, yeah, we appreciate any gift helps us to spread the gospel even further. Uh, we also have some exclusive content for our donors, uh, monthly spiritual direction videos, some other content there for those who are our Patreon supporters. So um, thank you to all of all of our donors. Thank you to all of you who pray for us. Know that we're praying for you always. Um, and until next time, God bless. Thanks for listening to God's Planning, a work of the Dominican Friars of the Province of St. Joseph. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Leave a review on your podcast app and visit us at godsplaining.org.